Welcome to the Winged Wheel Podcast. Here to talk all things hockey are your hosts, Brad Crisco, Ryan Hanna, and Evan Lobsinger. What's it say about us? And this shouldn't be a surprise at this point to anyone who's been listening for a while, but what's it say about us that we are capping off a Valentine's Day evening by um, recording an episode of a hockey podcast together with all our respective partners, girlfriends, wives, not, you know, hanging out with us? It's your fault. It's my fault. What? I don't work tomorrow. I don't work tomorrow. I don't work tomorrow. Well, it's well what are we doing here, boys? <laughs> uh, I don't know what your guys' excuse are, but I got two. One, I have children, so by like we're it's eighteen after eight, we're tired in this house. Our day is over, and two, my wife hates me, so like no pressure. Already, Brad? Oh no, she's hated me for a while. She's a saint. You know, I actually, you know what I actually just said. I was about to make a joke where I was going to say, "Oh, Evan and I told you at your wedding, you have to." last five years before you make her resent you it is it's been it's been oh it's past five years buddy yeah you got to keep up here which i mean leads into my next point here which is less important than valentine's day happy valentine's day everyone and happy sunday for those of you who don't care about valentine's day um yesterday marked six years of the winged wheel podcast that was yesterday wild yeah that was yesterday i was gonna do a post and then i was like by the time I, I realized it, I was like, oh, you know, and is then it, tomorrow's Valentine's Day. Is it something worth celebrating? <laughs> well, I mean, it depends on it depends on which Twitter user you ask. No, we'll put out a post. We'll put out a post tomorrow. But yeah, six years. And uh, I mean, it's a sign that things are going well, that we still care and love each other so much that we're hanging out on Valentine's Day. Meanwhile, I think the last text... The last two messages in our group chat <laughs> before we started this episode. <laughs> in order, it was me saying K to yourself, bitch, to Brad, and Brad sending me the middle finger emoji. <laughs> <laughs> We're doing great, folks. That sounds about right. That is on brand. <laughs> Welcome to the Winged Wheel Podcast, where the only red thing on the screen is Brad's face. I'm Ryan Hanna. I am the human version of the middle finger emoji, Brad Crisco. And I'm Evan. Uh, in this episode of the podcast, we actually do have uh, plenty of hockey stuff to talk about. Uh, the Red Wings had a fun game, a win, a great win. Probably the best game of the year that we've, uh, one of the best games of the year that we've seen We've seen from them. And then a loss before that, but you know, we'll get to all that. Uh, we'll be talking about specific players, their performances. Uh, the big news today of Danny DeKaiser being waived. Uh, which was kind of a shock to people, um, you know, and and related. Hiroshi was sent down. We'll talk about all those moves. We'll get into uh, the rumblings and the rumors regarding the draft lottery. It has been zero days since we've had a draft lottery-related conversation on this podcast, and somehow it's always new content. And then I think that'll take us probably to overtime before we jump in there. So I'm happy we're starting with talking about the Red Wings first and like the, the win, especially before we get into the draft lottery, because that's going to be frustrating as hell. Oh, yeah. It's um, we, we can't have an episode where we don't piss and moan and then piss everybody off. We just we can't. No, no, it's, we're not allowed. This is how happy thing. No, for when uh, for teams who are 
middling or a good team, but you know the cliff is coming and you're like, my team needs to go through a rebuild. You just have to understand this is how a rebuild works. You're not allowed to be happy at any point. I shouldn't say happy. You're not allowed to be fully happy at any point during it. You have to suffer it out that way in 10 years, give or take, when the Red Wings win a cup, we can all sit here and uh, put on our smug face and say we powered through it. Yeah, and that's why, like, you know, we're pretty receptive to feedback, but some that I I just kind of shoot to the side is when people are like, you're unrealistically positive about the team, which, I mean, I don't know how often we get no, that, right. but we'll say something, they're like, what, what team are you watching? This is crap, that's crap, this is shit, and it's like, hey, man, we all know. This isn't new, and it's not going to be new for a long time. <laughs> for for everyone's own mental health, we need to just find the positives. And hey, you know what? The Red Wings gave us some. But first, let's talk about the um, the three two loss on Thursday to Nashville before we jump into uh, the the Saturday game. So that was where um, they lost with one minute left in the game. Ah, oh, sad right. man. Yeah, that was gutting. I'm glad you mentioned that because I'm at the point in the season where I watched that game beginning to end, didn't miss a second of it, and I had completely forgotten it until you reminded me that they blew it in the last minute. Yeah, you know, we talked about uh, it was in the group chat, and I think we're, I remember Prashant saying he couldn't watch the game, and he's like, "It seems like I picked a good one to skip." And we actually said we were like, "Yeah, outside of the highlights, nothing is really happening in this game." It was a little tough because I thought it was another show of uh, the Red Wings, especially at five on five, demonstrating like how they've changed as a team and being able to lock down the game a little bit. Is it pretty hockey to watch? No, not always, but this isn't the same team as last year where it was easy to score on them and just dunk on them repeatedly. So I was pretty pleased with that. Uh, got another goal out of, you know, offensive dynamo Mark Stahl, <laughs> just, which like I love when Mark Stahl scores. It is so funny to watch everyone's reaction. Uh, Robbie Fabry scored that game. Who's on? He's on a little bit of a heater right now. Uh, Mantha Hironic, Ryan Nemesnikov all got on the board. Uh, yeah, and it was just, it, it sucked because that last minute, it all kind of, got deflated but you know of of the losses that that come about it goes without saying and this is such an obvious statement but i'd much prefer blowing it with one minute left and losing by one goal rather than you know getting dunked on seven three pulling the goalie and having two empty netters scored on you yeah this is what we hoped for at the beginning of the year we know the team's gonna be bad please be competitive um they chose a boring way to do that but whatever they're doing it um and they were not ascent they were in that game the whole time and they were not losing in that game really until 50 something seconds left and it was a point shot like so as much as i want to sit here and rail on blashill for having franz nielsen out in the last minute of a tied game goal wasn't his fault goal wasn't really anybody's fault it was a point shot that went through traffic that play happens a hundred times a game this one just happened to find the back of the net it's fine like i don't think the red wings played well on on thursday i i felt they played a pretty bad game actually like we were talking about in the group chat nothing happened which is typical there was that 20 second span or however long it was in the last minute of the second period where Matt Duchesne scored and then Mark Stahl said, ha, lead, screw you, and tied it up on a damn near end-to-end rush, um, which was unbelievable. Um, and then nothing happened until the goal with a minute left. Like, 
it is what it is. It was a largely forgettable game, which in a rebuild is probably worth being thankful for. It was funny because uh, Pekka Rene, when Anthony Mantha was shooting the puck, was just like lights out, robbed him once or twice. And you're like, damn, Pekka, like, you know, I, I don't think they were absolutely impossible saves. And I'm not saying, oh, Mantha deserved a goal. Like, you know, he played way better than he would have seen him on the scoreboard. I thought he had a fine game. Um, but Pecorino made those saves and then let Mark Stahl's like donk goal just <laughs> flutter past him. I was like, hey, Pekka, what's going on, buddy? <laughs> what is this? Um, oh, speaking, which did fl- of, speaking of horrible Pecorino goaltending, yesterday's oh, game. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, a theme across both games, you know, I, I said the Red Wings did a much better job five, five on five at not just getting trounced by better teams. And that's important and, and, We'll say this again in this in this topic here, but I think if the Red Wings come out with this uh, an effort that they had on Saturday against Nashville, the second game, all year, win or lose, I'm happy. That said, Nashville's not a good team. No, they are. Um, I know Evan how, hates how much uh, whenever we quote our own tweets, but I think I sent a tweet out that said at the in our preview episode, I think I said I expect Nashville to take a step back this year. That was probably the biggest understatement I made in that episode. They are bad. Capital B, bad. They are much like Detroit, bottom of the league in uh, both special teams. Uh, five on five, they do nothing. They don't have, outside of Philip Forsberg, Victor Arvidsson, and Matt Duchesne, they do not have a lot going on up front. And you could say, well, yeah, they have a Philip Forsberg, a Victor Arvidsson, and Matt Duchesne. I would argue uh, Anthony Mantha, Dylan Larkin, and Tyler Bertuzzi are better i think forsberg's the best of the three but i think by and large i'd take the detroit trio um their once proud blue line isn't all that great beyond ryan ellis and roman yossi now now to be fair i don't think matthias Ekholm played which obviously hurt them but still and what we thought would happen to chicago is happening to Nashville where they can't get a save. So I'll get the negative out of the way first because Detroit was the better team. They played a good game. They deserve to win. Uh, it was really a 4-1 game. Nashville scored a garbage time goal with uh, half a minute left when it didn't really matter. But it's a little too late. Yeah, but if we're being realistic here, two of the four Red Wings goals don't go in in the NHL. Um, Adam Ernie's end-to-end Pavel Datsukian rush was almost a carbon copy of Datsuk's rush up until the backhand, which shouldn't have went in, went in. That's a, that's a puck that gets saved 99 out of 100 times. But hey, it was a good rush by Ernie. He carried it with, with momentum. He found the scenes. He found the lane. He took them. He made the play. Just to get to the point where he even could take that backhand is a great play by Ernie. So I don't want to take anything away from him despite Rene gifting him that shot. And then Glendennings was even worse. He was on a worse angle and where it hit Rene, I'm pretty sure Rene got it and almost put it through his own legs. Like it was crazy how that thing ended up in the net when you watched the slow-mo replay. Those two goals don't go in in an NHL game. And I can't stress that enough. So even though it was a quote-unquote big Detroit win, it really wasn't. That that game, all things being cool, probably should have ended 2-1. Because the Robbie Fabry goal was a legit 
goal on a great play by Hironic and Philpola. Felt weird to say. And then Anthony Mantha's is a goal. That shot is a goal that goes on in on every goalie in the NHL every time he takes it. That was the perfect shot coming down the left wing. High short side on the goalie's blocker side. Nobody in the league's getting that. Um, so those were two honest goals. And even Nashville's one goal is pretty lucky. Mark Stahl put it in for them. So, you know, not like they didn't catch hey, a break that, on that one. That's a scoring streak for Mark Stahl. Exactly. That's uh, Things were going too well for him. I knew it was going to happen. I knew something yeah. like that would happen. Yeah. So getting the goals out of the way, Detroit controlled the play in that game more often than not. There was a point, I think Detroit was out shooting Nashville uh, late in the second or early in the third, 24 to 9. Did you think there was a world in which Detroit would ever be out shooting a team by that number at any point in the season? Never in a million years would I have predicted that this year and good on them for doing it. And my, I have made a promise to myself and to everyone that I will compliment Blashill when he deserves it. Whatever he told the team, they were very noticeably more aggressive that game against Nashville. The defense were activating. The forwards were holding onto the puck for longer. They were being more aggressive with their passes. They were playing at a higher tempo. The power play, they got rid of this, not got rid of, but they didn't use the slow moving Detroit deep dish drop pass nearly as often. When they had it in the offensive zone, they were making quick passes. You could see they were actually rotating a bit. That was where the lack of skill kind of came out a little bit because you could see they were trying things and they just couldn't pull it off. But I was so happy to see them trying them because the few times it worked, it did yield in a chance. It did yield a chance. So whatever that system that he implemented for that game was, that's the one I want to see every game. It worked. Even if it didn't work, that's what I want to see because that's the type of hockey good teams play. You do not need to sacrifice defense to play like that if you have a good system. We've talked about Detroit's blue line being improved this year. It's still a bottom 10 blue line in the league by just talent easily, comfortably. But they're a middle of the pack five on five team. You can coach defense and Blashill has actually done a good job at that on five at five on five. Again, I'll argue he's done poorly in every other aspect of the game of hockey this year, but that's one thing he's done well. So, grandiose point, good game. Detroit deserved the win. Wasn't as big of a blow as it looked like, but this is the hockey they should be playing. Yeah, you know, you said it wasn't actually a big Red Wings win, and you're you're completely right on that, but I, I just want to qualify that and say, Relative to what we can expect from the Red Wings right now, I think it was a big Red Wings win. You know, we constantly preach. I mean, I can just end the statement right there. We constantly preach. But we we constantly preach about what success means for a rebuilding team. And it's just putting out an effort where when the other team is maybe not as good overall, like Nashville's not as good, or let's say you're playing the other team and they're playing down to your level for whatever reason, they're having an off night. I'm thinking of like the one game they played Dallas or Florida or something. I can't remember who it was where they were very clearly playing down to Detroit's level. And then their goalie is letting in stinkers and their goalies off. I want the Red Wings to play to a level where they beat those teams, you know, about half the time. And that's what we saw. I mean, Nashville's not a good team. They only beat them by one goal off of like, Brad uh, said like it was a point shot just happens at the end of the uh, two goals four two 
in the first game. Oh, sorry. Yeah, yeah, third. Yeah, yeah. The f- so. No, yeah. The first game was was three two. They only lost by one, in the, and in the second game, the four two win, really a four one win. Don't count the garbage goal, whatever. So yeah, I'm 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 happy with the effort. Um, watching the energy with Luke Glendening back in the lineup is great. You know. It's not hard at this point in Luke Glendening's career to to dive into the numbers and see that he's not quite as effective as he used to be. But I still think of all the guys in that kind of Luke Glendening territory that we talk about, like those bottom six guys that aren't the obvious like Nielsen's where you know nobody wants them on the team. Luke Glendening is someone where if he doesn't get dealt, I'm happy if he's back. I just love the energy the guy brings to the team. He's a complete workhorse, took a hit to the head that went unpunished. <clears throat> by Radko Gudas, uh, missed a few games, came back, and has his first point and first goal in 42 games, which sounded insane to me when they said, uh, said that on the broadcast, and his first ever three-point night. Jonathan Bernier returning to play and looking fantastic, had a lot of shot support, had a lot of support through, as as Brad said, team defense, which I know <laughs> if I'm Thomas Grice watching that, I'm like, hey, come on, <laughs> where was this when I'm in net? Um that Philpola play was like, was that 07, 08 Philpola? Like, what was I watching there where he held that? Like, that is the, that's the playmaker within Philpola that we saw in his prime. And it was just actually gave me like warm fuzzies. Um, Robbie Fabry, what, that was his 50th career goal. He's on a little bit of a tear. Robbie Fabry's consistently scoring. Um, just if you look at the underlying numbers as one of the, the better Red Wings night in and night out. The gorgeous Mantha shot that Brad described, like whether or not Mantha had a perfect game, like if Mantha has an off night and he snipes one like that, that's exactly what you need from one of your most talented players. It was very, um, is this a real game or is this something from WandaVision? And I won't say any more than that for those who haven't watched yet. But no, it was a really great game. Um, and just, I mean, Red Wings fans deserved it. And you know, kudos again to the Red Wings, to Jeff Blaschel, that They just kind of needed to pull together and get that. I think Glenn Denning and Bernier were a big part of it. Oh, a thousand percent. My favorite Bernier stat right now is uh, if you look at goals against average and save percentage out of the three Red Wings goalies that have played this year, he is third in both categories. Um, Calvin Pickard and Thomas Grice have high uh, better stats on both fronts than them. The Red Wings as a team are four, 10 and two. Jonathan Bernier is three and one. Thomas Grice is going to stab someone before this season is over at this rate. He really will. It Thomas is, Grice must constantly have the same facial expression as Evan. Now, here here's a fun little stat for for everybody as well too. So, Ryan, I want you to list right now. There's have you looked at the Red Wings scoring leaders since that game, like for the season? Uh, no, I'm familiar with what it was before the game. I okay. think there's a three way tie for the leading score on the Detroit Red Wings right now. Goals or points? Points points guess larkin there's your obvious one bertuzzi because i know he was leading in goals and i think still is uh i don't have the goals up but uh nope bertuzzi is not one of the three okay i'm still taking a third guess not fabry he missed too much time i'm gonna go mantha yeah the much maligned anthony mantha is tied with dylan larkin for nine points and if we want to talk about much maligned this season, also tied for the team scoring lead right now, Philip Heronik. Is what? Philip Heronik. Has how many points? Nine. 
Shut up. Philip Hronik, Anthony Mantha, and Dylan Larkin all have nine points. Hronik has actually zero goals, but he's got nine assists. Yeah, he hasn't scored. Oh, and I will say a big part of that last game, that was Hronik's best game of the year. Oh, he was fantastic that game. Finally, it was good to see. Um, Zadina also had a fant- – I'll say Zadina had a fantastic two games. If there's anybody who deserves a goal right now on the Red Wings, it's him. He His stats do not reflect how well he has played, um, especially on the power play last game. He was fantastic. Um, yeah, it's it's weird. Uh, you just – you think we spent the whole year shitting on Mantha and Heronic by and large, and they're – keeping up with Larkin who we haven't said much about. So it's, it's a fantastic development. I mean, Mantha and Bertuzzi are tied for the goal lead with five. Uh, Mantha looked like Mantha last game. Like if you showed me a game from last year and a game and that game from this year, I wouldn't know the difference. It was, it was a relief to see he was winning those puck battles that he normally wins. Like he did all last year. Cause when he's engaged, he doesn't lose them because he's six foot five and like 700 pounds. Um, he was shooting the puck. Well, he was making good passes. I mean, even in the Thursday game, he had an impressive assist on Fabry's goal. So, uh, his, his Thursday game wasn't as strong as his Saturday game, but both good games. So, Hey, maybe, maybe the Blashill's message got through Mantha starting to kick into one of his heaters, hopefully. And here we are. Like it's it's the downside of a rebuild when a guy can underperform like Mantha and still be tied for the scoring lead, but here we are. You know what deserves attention out of fairness? You know, whenever we advocate for something or someone, we always try to call back when we're wrong or you know, it's not going as expected and it's not all sunshine and roses. I think Matias Bromes looked rather unimpressive of late. That flash and fire and creativity we saw early on, I, I I haven't seen it, and I don't know whether it's because they're sticking him on the top line, what it is, but I'm just, I don't think he's had a good the games that he's been in. I don't think he's had a good couple of games here. He's been fine. I mean, I'm not noticing him in any bad ways. He doesn't look like he's a step behind Larkin or Zadine on that top line. He doesn't look like he's making a lot of plays either. So it's kind of the the good and the bad with him on that line. I I I know we overblow this concept a lot and I I probably am again. But in his first few games Brome was flying, he was trying shit, he was taking risks, it was working. He got healthy scratched. He hasn't been the same player since. I don't think I need to explain why that might be because it's happened before a lot to Red Wings under the current coaching regime. So I I don't know because that seems like a little too simplistic of an answer, but it's, I noticed it and I noticed it a few games ago and it hasn't improved. So I think it is too simplistic of an answer because what is something that we always talked about with Brome? He's this guy, he's like, he's a grown man. He's not like a young kid. He's like, what, 26 years old. He comes in, he can play and pick up and play the pro game. And that's what we see right away. So I don't know if I really buy the whole healthy scratch thing. Like, and also in, in this season's NHL, what's healthy scratching? You're, you're sitting for a couple nights, sometimes breaks between games in a regular season is, is that much time. So I don't know. I, it's it's been a couple of games. It's been a few games. By no means am I going to write him off and say, "Yeah, scratch him 
whenever without fail. I, I we've seen the talent there, but I if we're gonna celebrate him and what he was able to do, and we said this he's overdue, I think the the process behind getting the points has gone away and he still has no points to show for it. So would like to see more from him. Who knows? Maybe it's maybe it's he doesn't can't keep up with the the Larkin Zadina or whoever's on the top line. Maybe that's just he, he doesn't have it there. He needs a little bit more of like a, a Fabry center. Yeah, maybe. Um, again, in my opinion, he hasn't been bad. He's just not been noticeable. I'll, I'll still advocate because I'm not noticing him in bad ways. He, he's still a step above the numerous mistakes I see from. Gagne or Philpla or Nielsen every game. So he by no means should he be coming out of the lineup. But yeah, I'm hoping to see him start trying some things again, start taking a little more risk, start holding the puck a bit longer if he needs to, because that's, that's what he was doing. And he's not. And that could just be a confidence thing. I mean, Buddy's got zero points so far this season when he should have at least five or six given the chances and He's had, he, he's absolutely snake bitten. Um, a crossbar, a bunch of posts, some big saves on him. Like, yeah, he's got to be gripping his stick pretty tight at this point, but we'll see where it goes. And if, and if we're calling out individual players that we've noticed good or bad, I think one player we haven't talked about a lot on this podcast and not that he's kicking down any doors or, or the savior of the team, but one guy I notice a lot in a good way, who doesn't get talked about? Christian Juice. He's been good. I think he's he's not great defensively, but he's not a train wreck. Like He's competent. He's amongst that Red Wings defensive group that's keeping them halfway decent at 5-on-5. Five five. But he makes stuff happen in the offensive zone. He's, like, he's almost like if he was Madison Bowie, but not tragic outside of the offensive zone. Um, cause he's walked some guys in the offensive zone. He's not afraid to, to activate. He brings the puck into the slot a lot. He, any space the defense gives him, he takes, which is not something you see from any other Red Wings defenseman, not even heronic where if he gets a step on the guy or he sees a lane, he steps into the slot and I forget, was it against Chicago where he undressed two guys, ended up with an empty net, and whatever whoever the Chicago defenseman was got it with his skate like it was an unreal save and it wasn't even a goalie? Like, that was that was Christian Juice at his best. So I'm not sitting here and saying he's the savior of the team or anything, but he, he's been good for a waiver pickup. He, he's come better than advertised. Well, and that segues well into our next point. Christian Juice coming in, playing well, uh, justifies his spot in this lineup night in and night out. Someone who's been out for a couple of weeks and today was waived. Danny DeKaiser waived, uh, sent down through waivers, him and his uh, year and a half remaining at $5 million per year. This is very shades of uh, Eisenman finally waving Jonathan Erickson last year where everyone was like, whoa, knew it should happen, but kind of surprised it did on the Red Wings. <sighs> Should it happen? I don't know. I mean, as much as Mark Stahl's been a fun story at points this year, he's, he's still an adventure. I, I could, I'm not saying DeKaiser has been better than him, but I'd hear the argument. I don't know. I, I know that DeKaiser's not good anymore. And I know that's largely not his fault. It's injury related, mostly. 
I know the Red Wings are saying he's been available to play for games, but he's also still a little banged up. I don't know if they were just saying that to kind of take the pressure off Danny for not playing. And and then that way, team, if the fans in the media don't pile on the poor guy uh, for getting healthy scratched. But yeah, so I, I've got there, there's basically in my mind three reasons why this could have happened. One, and probably the most likely, he's bad. Nazarman doesn't want him on the team anymore, which fair. I, I won't argue if that's the case. Not that Danny DeKaiser has been the biggest issue on the Red Wings, but he sure as hell hasn't been much of a positive contributor over the larger part of the last four years. Two, he knows that with that contract, he's not getting claimed and taxi squad. You need to put bodies on the taxi squad. doesn't matter if they're young or old. We, we, always laugh with Hiroshi and Giovanni Smith and and so on and so forth going in and out of the taxi squad because they can't get claimed on waivers because they're not eligible. Well, the same thing could apply to bad contracts. Eisenman can freely send them in and out because he knows they won't get claimed. Okay, so we don't want to put, you know, Biega or Juice or, or who the hell ever on the taxi squad. Okay, well, the Kaiser won't get claimed. Put him on the taxi squad. Or three, they want to get DeKaiser playing because they figure it'll help his rehab from his injury or whatever. And sitting in the press box is doing him nothing, but they don't want it to just be a 14 day conditioning stint because they're not confident he'll be back in 14 days. And God knows what the quarantine protocols are that coming back and forth between uh, the AHL. So they're like, okay, if we just wave him and send him down to Grand Rapids, he could play a month or two or however long he needs to until there's a trade or an injury with the current defense group and then they can bring him back. So, and if he plays poorly down there, then they know to not waste their time, so to speak. So kind of an informal conditioning stint. Yeah. Like, Hey man, go play. We'll see what happens. Like we'd rather you play than sit in the press box, which fair. Um, It frees up a spot for maybe Lindstrom or Chalosky to come up and see some games now. Obviously, I haven't been able to watch the Griffins games, but I've, I've heard Chalosky's been good. I'll take it with a grain of salt because I, I literally don't have an opinion on that. He did score a goal, so that was something. I don't know. I don't know what's going on with the Kaiser. I know none of it's good for him. Um, and I know it's not good for his long-term outlook with the Red Wings. I think it's pretty simple, honestly, and, and maybe this is just, you know, the doomsayer in me, but, you know, he's 30 now. He's been mired by injuries, back injuries, which, you know, Red Wings fans don't need to look further back than the previous captain, Henrik Zetterberg, to know what that can do to a career. This was a guy who is never a great skater, doesn't have a great offensive game to rely on. And so if he's debilitated by back injuries, his fundamentals and his positioning are off because he's rusty, because he's missed so much hockey over the past few years. I don't know. I think it's just it's not going to realign for for Danny DeKaiser the same way we've seen him. I don't think we're going to see an effective Danny DeKaiser as a you know middle pair defenseman on the Red Wings before the end of his contract. And I would love to be pleasantly surprised. I thought there was a chance of that happening, but I think this is the right step. Whether it's hey Danny, you're just not good enough for this lineup. We need to get Juice. We need to get. Chalosky, we need to get Lindstrom, even Biega up for some games. These roster spots are too precious. If it's that, I agree. If it's, hey, we're not going to send you down for just a two-week conditioning stint where you don't need waivers. We're going to send you down for longer so you can 
get your feet back under you because it's been a long time and then we'll see from there. I think that also makes sense. But regardless, I think it's the right move. It's been a long time since uh, the Kaiser was the guy coming out of college where every team lined up to get him. He basically, I think he went to Toronto, every team pitched it to him and then yeah. he had the tr- the choice of any team and he came to Detroit. I remember being thrilled. But it's just like all the injuries have added up and when you have major back surgery like you'll never come back like not even 75%. Like it takes an absolute miracle to come back from any back surgery. So it's 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 sad for Danny DeKaiser and it's sad to see uh sort of what we've sort of fallen off significantly. Um, and what he could have been, but I need those roster spots. Oh yeah. We can't, we can't, you know, whinge and whine about Giovanni Smith not coming in every night and then, you know, be precious about Danny DeKaiser's roster spot. I see your point, Brad, about Mark Stahl, but you know what? Like he's I, eighth I, in the team in scoring. He's yeah. tied for second in defensive scoring. You got a lot. You got to roll those guys out 20 minutes a game. Oh yeah. Doesn't matter whether it's because Stetcher's propping him up or not, or you know what have you. Between the the handshake agreement that's very clearly in place for Mark Stahl to say, "Hey, we need veteran leadership. You'll get the ice time. Waive your no trade clause to come to Detroit," and the fact that it's hysterical when he scores, I agree. Keep Mark Stahl in over Danny DeKaiser. Will it move the needle one way or the other? No. They'll both let in bad goals. <laughs> At least it's funny when when uh, Mark Stahl scores. You know. If Mark score if Mark Stahl scores ten goals this year, I'll get a jersey. Amazing! I'm He'll not, bring you into the locker room, COVID protocol and everything. If Mark Stahl scores ten goals, I'm not fully confident any Red Wings going to score ten goals this year. <laughs> I didn't oh, say it would be possible. <laughs> uh, anyways, it will. I'm sure there's going to be more developments to come soon. If anyone. Uh, the likelihood of get Danny DeKaiser getting claimed, I'd say 1% at best. I don't see it happening. If it is, it'll be a gift from whoever you, to pray, whoever you pray to. Um, but by all rights, he's going to clear. We'll see what moves come after that. Um, in other waiver news, some guys were sent from the taxi squad down to the Griffins, including Taro Hirose. Stings a little bit because I would still love to see Taro Hirose up in Detroit, but with, you know, roster jam. And I use that because players are not being moved when I think they should be sent down. Um, I would rather have him play in Grand Rapids and keep his, you know, skates on the ice rather than rot on the taxi squad. At least that's my take on it. I would rather him playing in Grand Rapids and rotting on the taxi squad, but he should be playing in Detroit. Like, I don't, I don't understand this decision at all. You have a thousand Luke Glendennings in your bottom six. You don't need another Nielsen, Philpola, Ernie. I don't care that they, that three of them actually played pretty well on Saturday. It's been a 16 game season. That's the first game where we can say at least three of those four guys played well in the same game. We're lucky if we get one. Taro Rossi's played well in more than 50% of his games. And on a team that hasn't scored a power play goal in about nine years, Hiroshi looked effective on the power play. Why? Like give him a shot. You Blashill. You are proving that you can coach five-on-five defense and that you can do it with just about anybody on this roster. Teach it to Taro. Like, he has not looked out of place at five-on-five this year. He hasn't looked dangerous at five-on-five, but he's not looked out of place. But he has looked dangerous on the power play. Stupid. Like, I just... This is one of those decisions. I just... I don't... 
Like, I get it. And I get that that this is exactly why the Red Wings are where they are because of this mentality that a Franz Nielsen who can kill a penalty, not well, but he'll do it, is more valuable than a guy that can help your power play. It's, it's insane to me. You have to apply the same logic you just applied to Danny DeKaiser to a Franz Nielsen. Yeah. Yeah. To a yeah. Darren yeah. Helm. Well, I would no, maybe not Darren Helm. But <laughs> Evan's backing off the Darren Helm. <laughs> yeah. Darren Helm horde. Let's not get too excited. He's, but he's yeah, hurt it, now it, anyway. He gets uh we we get a pass on that right now. Like if 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 you're saying the Kaiser has a significant drop off in his play, which he does, and it's warrant being sent through waivers, and no one's gonna claim him. You just insert Franz Nielsen's name there. Yeah. Yeah. Like just I don't, described him to a T. I don't yeah. I don't understand it at all. They're very clearly like, willing to waive veterans. They've done it a bunch yep. of times in the last year, which is the concerning part to me. I almost would would hope that this was just a Blash Hill, ah, I'm good. It's a tough year. I'm going to give the benefit of the doubt to my veterans. No, I, I legitimately think he thinks they're better hockey players, which is a bigger problem. Nielsen has two points in 14 games. And that's Actually. two more than I would have guessed he would have had at this point. Yeah, that's higher than I would have guessed. <laughs> like, that's in, like, that's even bad for a fourth liner. Like, Adam Ernie's had one play where I've noticed him this year. It's a hell of a play. He's had one play where I've noticed him. Darren Helm's only play that I remember this season was that bad offensive zone penalty he took a bunch of games ago. Um, who else? Philpola has had more moments than the other ones, but his bad moments also seem to be worse. Like, it's just... It, it, Think of it this way. We just talked about a Red Wings win, and it was super positive. The Red Wings went 0 for 4 on the power play in that game. They are... And I... I I worked this out in the middle of the game. I don't have the numbers in front of me, but I believe they are 0 for their last 25 and 1 for their last 34. Think of how many more Red Wings wins we'd be talking about if they were twice as good, which is literally just one more goal over their past 34 power play tries. Like, it's... it's Is Taro Hirose going to save the power play? By God, no, of course not. But you got to be doing some things differently. Credit, the power play last game, I thought... You know, if this wasn't in the middle of a big slump of the power play, I'd say, hey, that power play actually wasn't god-awful. They were doing a lot of things better. They're slowly getting better. But 0 for your last 25 and 1 for your last 34, you got to be doing something differently. You have to be. People get fired for those numbers. People in uh, not in a pandemic would be fired for these numbers. And you'd think that is the one aspect of the game where the Red Wings may have an even chance at scoring goals. Like if they're going to be one of the worst teams in the league, having a man advantage is an advantage. So you think they'd be good at it or at least competent. No, And yet... And yet and here, here we are. We are. <laughs> and yet they drafted a power play specialist at ninth overall who's in Grand Rapids. And they have a left half wall passing specialist also in Grand Rapids. Just this is this is the part where the old school mentality of the Red Wings just drives me up the wall. Not that they're they trust their veterans more or anything like that. Waving to Kaiser proves that I don't think that's the case. It's it's more concerning than that. <laughs> they just think these players are better. Now, the one thing where I will say I'm I'm a little curious in the next 24 hours might give us an answer on that. 
if their argument, if, if you asked them point blank and they said, and they were sworn to give an honest answer and they said, okay, we like Hiroshi and we like Rasmussen and we like Chalosky. We just think it's better for their development to be in Grand Rapids this year. Fair. Cannot argue that. I can argue, you can argue whether or not that is the right call, but if they think that, perfectly acceptable answer. But they still need help on their power play. Desperately. Especially the second unit. Right now, if I'm Detroit, and we're going to circle back to the waiver wire, I'm looking long and hard at Alex Gilchenyuk on that waiver wire. He's not uh, great. He's not great. He's not going to change the franchise, but he will help you in one aspect. And it's time that. is the charm? Yeah. It's- he's produced in the NHL, not like crazy third overall numbers. I think Alex Galchenyuk's one of those victims of he's held to the standard of his draft pick and not who he is as a player. Um, oh, he's getting on. he's getting traded six or seven times. <laughs> I, I think he's been pretty unremarkable. Like, I get it. I think he's I was fun. on board with this before the season, too. But just watching all, like, everyone in the way right now on the Red Wings roster, I'm not sure I want to add another speculative piece, you know? I mean, if it gets Franz Nielsen or Darren Helm or Val Philpola to the lineup, please, please make it happen. You know it gets someone like Giovanni Smith. I know. Yeah. I know. Yeah. Trust me, I'm just... Because oh, he's not even that old. Like, I mean, it's it's free. And what's what's Galchenyuk's contract? Like, nothing. A million it's basically bucks? nothing. So I, I would totally be okay with it. I just don't expect it to happen. Ma- no, ma- mostly because nobody seems to claim anybody good off waivers, especially yeah. Christian forward. Juice is offended by that statement. Hosang's gone through like four times. And yeah, I and he just got someone would get him out of Swedish me- team. Yeah, <laughs> really? So, yeah. Oh, really? For fitness levels, he made it oh. five games. Oh, that's a whole nother story. <laughs> a lot of the times it's because of con- it's like number of contracts. And I would love to see a rule where if teams pick up a player, they're allowed to go over the contract limit by one for like 10 days or something. They have 10 days to sort it out. Because I think a lot more movement would happen. GMs would literally never vote for that because they use that as like a buffer and protection for players. Like they'll wave a guy when they know he's not likely to get picked up. But just in the interest of fun, like I think that would be a good way for players to get moved then you you don't have that stupid situation where a player gets waived no one claims them and then all of a sudden teams are talking trade because they need to move the same number of contracts out even if they did allow it i don't think they would it would improve it because it's the old boys club yeah they just call each other and say don't take this guy you know next time you send someone through i won't take them yeah that's the unspoken rules now don't don't get me wrong galchenik's not the hill i'm willing to die on if they don't claim him yesterday i'm not going to if they don't claim him tomorrow, I'm not going to be upset, whatever. But take the fact that he's a third overall pick out of your head. I'm going to read you his games played and his points for each season and tell me if that's not a worthwhile investment because he's played a lot longer in the NHL than I thought looking at this. 48 games played, 27 points. 65, 31. 80, 46. 82, 56. With 30 goals that season. 61 games. 44 points, 82 games, 51 points, 72 games, 41 points, 45 games, 17 points, 14 games last year, seven points. And then he enters the dumpster fire. That is the Ottawa senators and goes one point in eight games. This guy is well over a half a point per game 
player in his entire career. This guy has a better per game output than Robbie Fabry. I'm just saying he does. I, right. I, but Detroit is also a dumpster fire, Brad. Don't forget that. I'm just, Hey, and it, it worked. Robbie Fabry went from the cup champs to said dumpster fire and got better. It can happen. <laughs> yeah. And there's some I'm weird probably, things going on in Ottawa with DJ Smith right now. I don't know how many people have been following that, but it's it's been weird. The whole Eric Brandstrom thing, and then it's weird. Alex Galchenyuk could certainly use some prolonged time in one place. It's Legitimately, been on like five teams in like four years. Like, he spent- how are you supposed to grow any sort of chemistry? Like, get any sort of rhythm? Like, the guy's just a walking suitcase. Yeah, and like, his he spent six years with Montreal, and if you look at just his Montreal numbers, yeah, he looks like a close to a top ten pick. Like it, it was the one year with Arizona, one year split between Pittsburgh and Minnesota. Like that's when his numbers started to dip a little bit. You give him some consistency, who knows what happens? I'm just saying, when you're in a rebuild, uh, a highly skilled 27 year old to bridge the gap for you seems like a really worthwhile gamble to me. Well, uh, we still have the draft lottery to talk about, and I'm sure uh, we'll have more to talk about regarding waivers next episode. But for now, uh, I'm going to talk to you about today's episode of the Wind Wheel Podcast being sponsored by none other than the FanDuel Sportsbook, uh, who we're thrilled to partner with as they give us fans what we really need, more excitement in the game. Uh, FanDuel is America's number one sportsbook for so many reasons. It's easy to use from registration to deposits and finding great bets. Withdrawals are fast and easy. You get your money back as quick as 24 hours later and they're constantly running odds boosts and special best bets now listen to this FanDuel is letting you place your first bet risk-free up to $1,000. Just place a bet on any game and FanDuel, FanDuel will refund you up to $1,000 back if you don't win your first bet. No strings attached. If you win, you keep the cash. If you lose, you'll get up to $1,000 back in site credit. We wish we can bet on games like uh, Monday's Battle of Florida between Tampa Bay and the the Panthers, but we're excited that listeners have this one grand risk-free to try FanDuel themselves. What you need to do now is download the FanDuel Sportsbook app to get started with a risk-free bet of up to $1,000, and be sure to sign up with promo code WWP so they know the Winged Wheel podcast sent you. That's FanDuel Sportsbook, promo code WWP. You got to be 21 and older and present in New Jersey, Pennsylvania, Illinois, West Virginia, Indiana, Colorado, Iowa, Tennessee, Virginia, or Michigan. First online real money wager only. Site credit is non-withdrawable and expires in 14 days. Restrictions apply. See sportsbook.fanduel.com for details. If you have a gambling problem, call 1-800-522-4700 in Colorado. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana. 1-800-GAMBLER in New Jersey, Pennsylvania, Illinois, and Virginia. Tennessee Redline 1-800-889-9789. www.1800gambler.net in West Virginia or call 1-800-270-7117 in Michigan. FanDuel Sportsbook, WWP. All right, the draft lottery. More things to be pissed off about. Here we go. Yay. So um, you guys will have heard Brad. I can just end that statement there. Uh, But you guys will have heard Brad over time talk about why the timing of the draft lottery and the changing of the rules has been um, (laughs) a sticky topic and something that Brad was... Worried about happening, specifically the way they're talking about it happening now. The previous draft had Alexi Lafreniere, who is talked about and touted as, you know, the closest thing to a Austin Matthews level first overall pick that we'll have seen since Austin Matthews. Not necessarily in the style of play, but that's the kind of player you're going to get. Guaranteed to be a generational talent or a franchise player? No, but, you know, pretty damn close to it. 
Next draft, which is this draft upcoming, there's a lot of guys who can go first overall, and it's not that they're bad players, no, but just none of them are really projected to be the same way. Is that a 100% guarantee? No, of course, you can get the next McDavid in this draft. There's no way to know for sure, but just by the way these things go, we don't have an Alexi Lafreniere. The draft after that, you have players like Shane Wright, um, Brad Lambert. I always forget Brad Lambert and Matt Savoy. It's Savoy, right? Matt, Matt Savoy. Savoy. Those three guys, especially Shane Wright, like Shane Wright's being compared, and and I'm saying this loosely here, he's being compared to McDavid. And Crow. those are three guys who can, yeah, and those are three guys who in their own drafts would go first overall. So you can understand why we turned red in the face when we heard rumblings of the NHL GM saying, oh, Detroit got screwed last draft. Let's change the rules to give the worst teams, of which Detroit still is one, a better pick in the draft. But then let's also add a rule where you can't pick in the top three two years in a row. (laughs) (laughs) I called this like sarcastically and facetiously a bunch of times in the summer. And here it is playing out exactly like I said, except it's not playing out that way. People miss the second part where LeBron reported Batman and uh, he's saying he's hearing from league sources. The league does not have the appetite to implement a limit, which is good. Good. Also, even if they do, I don't think it would apply this year. So the fact that this is getting talked about, don't let me dismiss what Ryan was saying there. It's stupid. And everybody involved in these ideas is stupid. Um, at least these, not stupid people, but this is a tremendously stupid idea. But remember the big thing with changing the draft lottery last year. And Ryan, correct me if I'm wrong on this, but one of the reasons they ultimately didn't change the draft lottery format last year in terms of odds and all that, even though they had to have that weird caveat for the playoff teams, was that they couldn't change it midseason. Like teams went into the year with an expectation. We have to uphold that expectation. Okay. We're over 25% in this year. I know if I'm a bottom feeding team and they're changing anything right now, I'm going to be pissed. I built my team around certain parameters, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So if you want to implement it next year, all's fair. We will plan for that. Um, but this year you can't, because if I found out that if the Red Wings won first overall this year, but wouldn't be eligible for fourth first overall next year, right now, if I'm Steve Eisman, I'm on the phone trying to trade for every one year superstar imaginable because I want to pull my team as far away from that draft lottery as possible because I would rather a small chance at Shane Wright than a guaranteed first overall this year because there isn't a huge gap this year between first and like ninth overall. And I it, like literally it's that weak of a top heavy draft but that good of a draft for depth that's why we've said all year we don't care if the red wings improve this year from a draft lottery standpoint it really is doesn't matter all picking first this year really gets you as positional preference if you want now we are going to spend the next six months splitting every hair imaginable with these prospects i am going to fight for some guy over another guy for number two but keep in the back of your mind that we are literally splitting hairs all year on this now here's the reason i think this is stupid because it's easy for me as a red wings fan to sit here and say how 
dare you prevent us from getting Shane Wright? Well, this could be a rule for the next 20 years. So, of course, the NHL is not going to look at this in, in such a short-term fashion. The idea that teams tank and thus you need to have this ridiculous and awful lottery situation they have right now is way overblown. This is the Matt Duchesne offside goal. The The examples that get touted for why you have to have a lottery like this is when the Pittsburgh Penguins got Mario Lemieux, which let's not forget was in the mid 80s and in 2000 and the 2014-15 season where the Buffalo Sabres and Arizona Coyotes went nuclear trying to get Connor McDavid and Jack Eichel which arguably is going to go down. The 2015 draft is going to go down as maybe the best draft in modern hockey history. So yeah, of course teams were going to be a little more aggressive with Connor McDavid sitting on top of the draft. We're not going to see another Connor McDavid in the draft for a long, long time. Shane Wright might be pretty damn close. His 15 year old season in the OHL statistically was better than Connor McDavid's, but I don't think anybody's saying he's going to be Connor McDavid. Plus, if we're talking playing style, he plays a lot more like Sidney Crosby, but I digress. Look at a lot of the teams that are bad right now the Detroit Red Wings, the Los Angeles Kings, the San Jose Sharks, the Anaheim Ducks. They all got bad organically. They were all very good teams for a very long time. And then they got old and now they're bad. That's not tanking. The Detroit Red Wings haven't tanked. Like that's, they've gotten bad and they've sold pieces at the deadline. That's not tanking. Teams that are just outside of the playoffs sell pieces at the deadline. Why should they be punished? Why should the Red Wings be punished for trying to hang on to their playoff streak and trading off their prospects and their draft picks to keep that streak alive? Why should the LA Kings be punished for winning two Stanley Cups and then keeping their core together and aging out? Why should the Anaheim Ducks get punished for Ryan Getzlaff getting old and Corey Perry getting old and then they're having to buy him out? They shouldn't. They were loyal to their players and they were competitive for a very long time. Time. Yes, now they are bad. And yes, now all these teams are consistently at the bottom of the standings. That's not tanking. There is one team you could argue right now in that window that you could say is tanking the Ottawa Senators. They traded Mark Stone. They traded Matt Duchesne. They traded Eric Carlson. They, they traded all their superstars. Okay. That's not great. And I can, I can understand why. People and teams and managers would go, we do not want a reward for the Ottawa Senators for the crap they're pulling. To which I say, that's fair. I understand why you don't want teams to do what the Ottawa Senators are doing. I agree you don't want teams doing what the Ottawa Senators did. But here's the thing. You can't punish the Ottawa Senators without punishing the Ducks, Sharks, Kings, Red Wings, etc., You can't. You have to take the good with the bad. And every once in a while, you're going to get a Connor McDavid or a Sidney Crosby in the draft. And teams are going to go nuclear. So be it. It's a necessary evil. Look at what's happened in the NHL with offside reviews because they overreacted to two bad calls. This it it, to me, like I will still argue the best lottery or the best draft system is just reverse draft order. If a team wants to be so bad that they can't dig out of it, 
That's their problem. Remember how I was saying uh, the Arizona Coyotes and the Buffalo Sabres went nuclear for McDavid and Eichel? Neither of those teams have made the playoff since, and one of them got Jack Eichel. There's there's a risk in yeah. going that nuclear. You can get the player and still be bad. The Edmonton Oilers have made the playoffs twice with Connor McDavid. It's by no means a guarantee. So if teams want to do it, fine. And then you have to factor in, okay, like you can even look at the Red Wings right now. You are They are a team that is very bad and has been bad for a while. The Red Wings haven't come close to selling out a game in what feels like four years. I know that's not fully true, but still, they're taking you mean the like financial butts hit. butts and seats. Yeah. Yeah. Because they've so sold out games the by Red rule. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I get that. The Red Wings are taking a financial hit right now. Merchandise sales are down. Memorabilia sales are down. Ticket sales will be down. Ticket sales are going to be cheaper. That you okay? You want to be in the draft lottery every year? Fine. There's not every market is Toronto. Not every market is Montreal. I'd say outside of those two markets, almost every market will suffer being bad financially. Okay, so then you are almost literally paying for your draft spot. So, to me, this just gets back to the whole: I don't even think a lottery is necessary. But trying to reward teams that like just missed the playoffs by giving the New York Rangers Capo Caco and Alexi Lafreniere. Get the F out of here. What I, you know, my take on all this outside of everything that you just described, Brad, was where was this energy in the summer? Like, I don't really uh, like buy the genuine, uh, you know, moral standard that the teams conveniently within the bubble playoffs, but outside of the real playoffs were selling, which was, oh, well, we played all season under these rules and this is what we, how we approached it. Like, no, man, you, you can't proclaim that there's no tanking in hockey and then saying we were playing under these rules. There was a disproportionate benefit to every team other than the seven who got boned uh, in the offseason. They could have done a lot of good by having the draft lottery earlier. And yeah, am I a whiny biased Red Wings fan? Absolutely. Like I will not hide that about the draft lottery, but the whole guise of, no, we have to keep it this way because this was uh, how we played this season. That's not why those teams were interested in keeping the rules in place last summer. Uh, they did it that way because they would benefit from both making the playoffs and potentially being part of the Lafreniere draft. Like th- that's it. It's there's no, you know, moral high ground here. They were doing it to serve their own benefit. And that's why I am not shy about the fact that I think the Red Wings should have been favored. I think those seven teams should have been favored. And for the reasons Brad stated, whatever they land on, I hope they don't just the NHL's best talent is tripping over their own feet and falling on their face. Even when they're running, they're 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 trying to run on their way to do good. They just constantly fall on their own face. And I don't want to see them bungle the draft lottery again. Simplify it. Don't do the whole term limits thing. Or if you do stick to the same standard, have a lead in time. Don't have it apply to the season. Have it starting next year, whatever. Regardless, there's going to be a lot more to come on the draft lottery. There's going to be more, you know, they talked about things being imminent. So for the NHL, that could be tomorrow and that could be six months from now. Brad, you have a, a final. Yeah, I, I got so riled up. I even forgot to talk about the you can't win multiple aspects of it, which is what started this all. The There have been numerous teams, the Buffalo Sabres, the Edmonton Oilers come to mind that you can be picking the top two, top three over and over again and still be bad. Like you still have to get the picks right. You still have to develop the players. You still have to put a team around them. I don't understand why people are so averse to teams getting multiple good players. If you are that bad, 
that you are in the bottom five of the league year after year, you have bigger problems than what the draft lottery is going to afford you. But if you are a team that is on the right path, but you're lacking star talent, like look at Detroit's exact problem right now that the draft lottery has put them in. They are lacking the star talent to be truly good. Even if Zadina becomes what we hope Zadina can be. If Satter becomes what Satter's going to be, if Raymond becomes what Raymond's going to be, they're probably still not a contender. That's the cold reality of it. They have to hit on almost every one of their top 10 prospects right now to be a contender in the next five years, 10 years. Like they're in a bad spot. But if, again, I love Lucas Raymond and, you know, I love Mort Sider. But if Lucas Raymond and Mort Sider are Alexi Lafreniere and Jack Hughes, this organization's in a much different spot right now. That's the reality of it. They're still bad. They'd still be out of the playoffs this year, but now we can see a reality where they contend in five years. So uh, I don't know. This, this is exactly one of those things to me where we all saw that game where Buffalo fans were cheering for an Arizona goal in a game in Buffalo and the NHL went, that can never happen again and went way too far the other way. Like when other teams are saying, yeah, Detroit got shafted last year. You know there's a problem. No NHL team wants to help out another NHL team. And when they're calling out Detroit by name saying, yeah, that should never happen, you know it's a problem. And to get to Ryan's other point, because I'm getting way too long-winded here, you know why this energy is here now, but it wasn't in the summer? Because these bubble teams don't care. They don't care if they pick first or eighth this year because they know it doesn't really matter to them. They know this draft is shaping up like that. I'm, I'm not saying this is one of the teams that complain, but like hypothetically, you're Minnesota right now. If we fin- if we get the third pick or we get the ninth pick, whatever, we're not going to go to Gary Bettman and scream till we're blue in the face because we need to be in that draft lottery. Or yada, yada, yada. They don't care. They know that if they're going to change it, this is the year. And bless all these teams' hearts. They think that they know they're bad this year, but they think they might be better next year. So they're not worried about next year's draft lottery. Just it's fine. All right. You want to change it? Yeah. Oh, well, maybe we won't get Owen power. Maybe we'll get Brant Clark instead. It's fine. You guys do what you got to do. And on that note, um, before, you know, anyone's head does pop off their shoulders, let's jump into overtime because, uh, most definitely we'll have more reasons for either frustration or, Hey, we can hope for a miracle and maybe this actually benefits Detroit. Uh, we're going to jump into overtime, uh, which of course, first and foremost is brought to you by our Patreon supporters. Uh, the winged wheel podcast Patreon is what supports the show and keeps it, uh, running. So we appreciate, uh, all of our wonderful supporters and we're going to start with their questions and comments. Uh, Andrew Bohan says Luke Lendenning got three points in a game. Is it starting? time to start planning for the apocalypse uh yes it is what three dvds are you taking in the shelter and what snack food are you stockpiling oh i i i don't know if i own a dvd anymore um snack foods beef jerky i'm a big sucker for beef jerky or chips uh three snacks i'm gonna go with reese peanut butter cups reese's pieces and yeah, I'll pick some some chip just to to get cancel out the sweet with some salty. Doritos, cashews. It doesn't matter after that. 
DVD, three copies of Goon on DVD. Uh, Mike Franklin says, pushing the 2021 draft back and stacking it with 2022, yay, nay, or trebucket. <laughs> In all seriousness, is there any benefit to the wings from this? I mean, yeah, the benefit is that the scouts might have a longer time, but uh, we talked about a previous episode. I think we are also of the opinion that it has its negative uh, negatives as well. For the fans, it's a little long between drafts. Anyways, we'll see what they decide. Uh, a, a night in with Ryan Hanna that says, uh, hello, all. I just wanted to thank Terry today for coming in on the night in podcast and complimenting me on having a movie podcast on the movie section. Thankfully, he agrees that shredded cheese, you guys are pieces of shit. You, that shredded <laughs> cheese should not be on poutine and that it's correctly offside and not offsides. My darn autocorrect must have kicked in last week. Final announcement is the expansion of the Winged Wheel Broadcast Network starting soon. We'll have shooting for 69 with Evan talking about golf and hockey cards and sniping <laughs> bars with Brad. I prognosticate that these will be massive successes. Tune in next week as we compare the untouchables in French and English. <laughs> you guys are weird, man. Sean Chavarella says, uh, hey, guys, they want to change the draft lottery again. I, for one, am shocked. Here's my pitch. All non-playoff teams still in the lottery. Still three winners. Same odds to win the lottery uh, for each team. The difference is if you win the lottery, you move up three spots. If you're the second team... Winning, you only move up two spots, and the third team winning moves up only one spot. This still prevents tanking. Bottom teams are not guaranteed. Anyone can win, but bad teams are not punished. And bubble playoff teams only jump each other and not the truly bad teams. And for Detroit, we can still fall three spots, but only in more rare situations. So we all win. Please hire me, NHL. I don't mind that one. That's actually pretty good. I I would knowing the NHL, they'd probably do four, four or five spots just to make it a little more interesting. But uh, yeah, I could see that. Uh, Kyle Williamson, who's a brand new patron. Welcome, Kyle. Uh, says, hey, guys, just joined. Enjoy the podcast a ton. Uh, since the season is going to be piss poor, to say the least, what about a look to the exciting future starting lineup for the 2022-2023 season? Is this a playoff lineup? I don't think we'll do a full lineup <clears throat> right now. Is this a s- playoff lineup? Mm, a lot would have to go right for that to happen. So right now, my guess would be no. Uh, weekend at Bernier says happy Valentine's day to my favorite podcast. I ju ju juice you juice. <laughs> you cr- Christian juice us. Well, happy Valentine's day to you too. All my brain tries to figure that one out. Antonio Gracia <laughs> says, what's the worst date you've ever been on? Come, hold on. Hold on, Ryan. You don't get the reference there. Ralph Wiggum from The Simpsons. I choo choo choose you. Oh my god! Yeah, yeah. I was just reading it wrong. <laughs> uh, Antonio Gracias asks us, "What's the worst date we've ever been on, or worst gift we've received?" I once went on a date to this coffee shop, this generic coffee shop uptown, and it was uh, they had a cake section. I guess they sold cakes like desserts, and it was cool. Like you guys know the one symposium. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, she kept talking about the cake. And, you know, I was like, all right, she likes cake. At the end of the date, we'd been there for like a couple hours. She's like, let's go look at the cakes. And I thought she meant she wanted to go pick one out to like eat, like get a slice and eat. I'm like, all right, two hours in, I'm trying to go home. Stood there looking at the cakes for 30 minutes, standing up, just staring at the stand, like fascinated by cakes. And like, yeah, they were decorated nicely, but like not worth all this time. She didn't buy a fucking slice. 
She didn't even buy the cake. Just looked at it. <laughs> I was like, I'm weird, and I think that's weird. <laughs> um, I don't have any bad date stories since uh, every date I went on before Crystal, I was very early in my it's, high school. It was near the monkey bars. Honestly. <laughs> honestly. Uh, yeah, my last girlfriend before Crystal would have legitimately been grade nine. Like, that's horrifying. Uh, although I, I do got a funny birthday story where um, this past summer, actually, um, it was it was shortly after my birthday because uh, it didn't line up exactly right. But uh, neither of my fellow podcast hosts even called attention to my birthday. It was weird. It's odd. It's a weird one this Did year. Did we not? No. Ryan, I rely <laughs> I on care. you for that. I rely on you for that. You're the one who remembers. <laughs> well, I don't remember anything. I have to now I start putting birthdays the- in my Google calendar because I don't remember them. No, I, I'm the guy who literally doesn't care about my birthday, so that stuff doesn't offend me at all. But I've been saving that one in my back pocket for just such an occasion. <laughs> I don't know when it's it is. Devastating. So. When is it? I know Evans is uh, June 13th. Correct. And Ryan's is no. November. I always get yours off by a couple of days. I always want to say the fifth, but I don't think that's right. No, it's the fourth. I know. I'm- yours is in July, Brett. Yours oh, is in- that's why I'm like set. I'm thinking about my golf game. I'm like <laughs> fifty rounds into the year already. Okay, first of all, I'm sorry because we're bad friends for that. Second of all, I can't believe we didn't get that. I wish your wife a happy birthday the other day. <laughs> I think to be fair, I think it's my fault. I don't think Facebook shows my birthday and that's literally the only way I know anybody's birthday anymore because I don't know if I have it input so that might Evan can you please put his damn birth it's July 17th can you put it in your calendar so we don't mess this up again <laughs> I can damn do that it. I remember uh, it's, it makes it even better too because when you thought we all forgot your birthday and then I called you on it in the middle of the podcast <laughs> you're like fuck I thought I got away with it when was it no, in no, July no, <laughs> july 17th <laughs> it's on a saturday oh, i definitely won't remember if i don't put it in my phone i'll be oh no. it's on a I'll saturday be, this I'll year be great it times out on a saturday in a pandemic because of course uh we're gonna move on scott otouche says what if anything would it take from kenny to do a swap of de kaiser two years left at five mil for neil three years left at 5.75 uh, kenny would have to throw in a sweetener because when you're dealing two bad contracts for each other the sweetener goes to the team getting more term so what that would need to be, I have no idea, but we have Edmonton's second round pick. So <laughs> <laughs> can you guys spawn another second and send it to us, please? They, they trade um, for trade for a second round pick from a bad team and then send it to us, please. Ryan Hanna's robe says, holy crap, we won a game pretty convincingly, which is odd. Not really a hockey question, but how about another favorite or least favorite slash overrated underrated for chicken wing sauces? Oh, I feel like Ooh. this is going to start a fight. I love uh, Jamaican jerk or Caribbean jerk, and I love just like classic buffalo sauce. Honey garlic's good. I'm not a big fan of dry dry rubs for wings. I, unless right. it's lemon pepper. Lemon pepper's good. Mango chipotle dry rubs really good. Oh, that actually does sound really good. Um, all I agree with all the good ones Ryan said. There aren't many problem is i love chicken wings so i can't really say many of them are overrated straight barbecue no barbecue sauce is over oh i love barbecue sauce i'm i'm gonna go garpar 
doesn't. Wow, overrated. Whoa, that's what I was gonna say. That's what I was gonna say. Evan, yes. Wow, I I didn't think both of you. Holy shit! I didn't think Brad was gonna (laughs) say that. Yeah, Garpar's overrated. Yeah. Yeah, overrated. What's wrong? <laughs> I don't know. I think it's gross. I got to move on. I can't this process is my this. Episode. Oh my God. <laughs> Overrated Garpar? You could have picked so many other things where I would have been like, okay, I disagree. Where do you fall on buffalo sauce? Love. Okay. Yeah, I love buffalo. Okay. I'm just yeah. trying to, you know, build back the barometer of where we are with chicken wing sauces. Have I just not had it in a long enough time? And like, I'm actually, is that such a wild take that I'm questioning myself here? Or like, are you ordering from a dumpster? I know a lot of people who love it. So, yeah, I say I, I don't like it. it. It does come from some sort of, you know, data that I've collected. That, that's why I'm calling it overrated because out of my circle of everybody I know, I'm one of the very few people who doesn't like Garpar. So, like, I get that you're objectively right on this one, Ryan, because you're in the majority, but like, still, it does nothing for me. Uh, well, you know, it's Valentine's Day and I did forget your birthday, so I won't berate you this time. <laughs> <laughs> Sam Bankson says, Glennie's elite. That is all. Uh, Scott Martin says, well, boys, we did it. A solid hockey game. Now let's hear your bold predictions on how we firk up the next game against Chicago. I mean... If they can continue that effort against Chicago, who has looked like a tangibly better team than Nashville, then yeah, I'll be happy. Um, Lars, the prophet of the towering behemoth. Oh, Lars, hell of a comment. You're going to hear us um, parsing down comments just to, to keep it a little smoother on runtime here. Um, Lars says, as the season slowly circles the drain and most players on the roster will have zero impact, I choose to look to the future. Uh, and Lars is pitching the wings, that the red wing of the future that he thinks will love most. Uh, if there was ever a time to pick a goalie with our first pick in a draft, it's now. Before you have a collective aneurysm, hear me out. Jesper Wallstedt is a proper unicorn, 18 years old. He's 6'3 and 214. His entire hockey life, he's been playing versus kids older than him. Uh, he's playing one or two years uh, older at the international junior levels uh, for Sweden. Last season, he made his SHL debut, debut as a 17-year-old. And this season, he's played uh, in about 19 games with under two goals against average and 19, uh, 918 save percentage. He's looked really solid at age 18. Doesn't need to clarify how unique that is. Yes, goalies are voodoo, harder to predict, uh, but better to pick better to pick free agent who provides league average goalkeeping and so on and so forth. By drafting Wallstedt, though, uh, Lars thinks we'll get bull, we will get barring injuries a goaltender for a decade and a half. Are you betting against him at worst being league average? Um, so here's yeah, here's where I subscribe to Prashant's theory about why you don't pick goaltenders this high even if i'm with you i think wallstead's going to be great if like when i do my draft rankings i I tend to rank just based on skill and probability so goalies always get bumped down uh because of probability so if i have a goal anywhere near my top 10 believe me i believe in them but if you're right and he's going to be the goalie for 10 to 15 years that means he's really really good which means you're gonna have to pay him out the ass long term and that hasn't worked out well for just about any team that's had to do that because eventually these goalies hit a wall and goalies are up and down and like it, it like Carey Price hasn't been Carey Price for a few years now. Uh, Bobrovsky got that contract and fell off a cliff. Like I, I mean, 
no matter how good Wallstat is, I'd almost always rather pay a goalie for $6 million. Even if he's objectively 75% of the goalie Wallstat is, with good defense and limiting high danger chances, which coaching can do, you can get by with a pretty good goaltender. Now, I'm not saying you have to do what Carolina is doing and pray to God Peter Mrazek is, is the guy, but you can get good goalies for good prices, but you have to go about it a certain way and picking them in the top 10 is not it. If the Red Wings get bumped down, let's say the Red Wings get bumped down to five, six around there. And let's say we have five teams ahead of, or five players that we would love for the Red Wings to take and everything else is meh after that. And they're sixth. I'm not opposed to just saying, screw it and going Wallstead, understanding all the very real risks that you just talked about. Cnod says uh, Ernie had an end-to-end crazy good thing that he established with Smith and having a good game. That having a good game doesn't mean you play the next. So at least we know we're scratching Ernie next game. Unreal personnel use. Splash always takes hot players out of the lineup. Galaxy mind. Uh, proposed rule change: bench uh, penalties, too many men, and goalie penalties. The opposing team chooses who's in the box. What do you think? Uh, I like uh, it. Could be yeah, fun. That's fun. Yeah. Like it's it's funny if you're playing Detroit, you're not throwing Larkin in the box. You're, you're looking at who the hell is that? Well, okay, Larkin is our best penalty killer, but you're not throwing like Mantha in the box. You're taking the best penalty killer and throwing him in there. So if you're playing, I don't know who, yeah, like Dallas, you're throwing Radic Faxa in the box. It'd be hilarious to see the thought process on that. Also, do you think they're keeping Bobby Ryan for guidance for Cider and Raymond? Cider or Raymond? Couldn't hurt. Um, I think they're going to keep Bobby Ryan for as long as he's not getting a second or a third round pick in trade value. Uh, JD got, says, sup guys, I'm not over it. That was fun. Just curious if you guys thought about this or was asked about this before, but do you think Suzuki was offered in the Tatar trade and if Holland rejected that, that offer? I love Joey B, Joey V, but oof. No, I don't think Suzuki was offered. Tatar. Suzuki has been highly touted the whole time. Tatar is not Pacioretty. Those would not have been the same deal. AJ Voss says, I don't understand the coaching staff's fixation with Nielsen. You've talked about Smith and Hiroshi getting held to weird standards, but to me, it, it seems like Nielsen has his own special standards, even compared to the vets. DeKaiser got waived today. Philpola got scratched for a while, but Nielsen can be in his own league of awful and still play. If it's his intangibles, I'm sure they'd be just as apparent as if he was on the taxi squad. So why are we still giving him undeserved minutes? I think it's that A on his chest. I don't think they want to scratch one of their captains, honestly. I mean, because I don't even know how Like, you never know what's going on in the room. So, Nielsen could be a great room guy. But on the ice, he always just kind of looks bored. I mean, that might be his face. I don't know. But he just looks bored constantly. Uh, the actual Terry says, hello, this is Terry. Even with better performances, I'm still of the opinion of Fire Blashill. I know the likelihood of bringing in a replacement coach this season is low given COVID, uh, but why not Fire Blashill and bring up Bilesma interim? There'd be no COVID protocol impacts. And it would send a message, then hunt for a replacement coach and assistance in the offseason. I'm of the mind that if you fire Blashill, Bilesma goes as well. And I don't even want to give the notion that Bilesma's blame free here because the special teams have been god-awful under him. So... If you get rid of one, in my mind, you get rid of both. And if you can't get rid of one because of whatever circumstance, then that has to apply to both. At least that's what it is for me. Yeah, I, I tend to agree, but the pandemic might not allow that. 
Uh, and then Terry finishes by saying, hello, everyone. This is Ryan Hanna for this week's inaugural episode of A Night In with Ryan Hanna. Join me as I go in depth on the 2005 epic Kingdom of Heaven starring Liam Neeson, Orlando Bloom, Eva Green. This covers the great historical topics like feudalism, the Crusades, and of course, Brad's favorite, the tree bucket. Please message me on Twitter. <laughs> no. No, screw you guys. Uh, Gerald McDonald asked a question about Scott Wheeler's uh, rankings for Wings Prospect on The Athletic. We're actually going to have Scott on to talk about that, so we'll save that topic. Uh, Ryan, the poutine connoisseur, Hannah. Uh, big, big Ryan theme this episode. Um, says, the only thing I enjoy more than bathing in a tub of gravy and rubbing cheese curds all over. You guys are, God, man. Which one of you is this? I'm trying to figure <laughs> out which one of you this is. Uh, is watching elite sniper Ernie give his best impressions of Pavel Datsuk. I also love critiquing my co-host's choice of food while I sip on subpar craft beer and let my wife do all the handiwork because I'm a lazy former defenseman who can't seem to get past the horrors of getting walked every game. Okay, first of all, she's my girlfriend, not my wife. Uh, wow, that got way darker than planned. I guess I'll say something nice to make up for it. Ryan, I'm a very great host who deserves to take one podcast off from reading Patreon comments. Thanks, Evan, for taking over next week. Hey, thanks, Evan. Yeah, I'll, I'll take over next episode. No problem. Oh, Evan's not going to be here next episode. <laughs> By the way, guys, next next episode's going to be on Thursday, uh, not Wednesday. I don't know when the shift happened from when they all turned on me to they all turned on you, but I'm enjoying it. I see why you enjoyed that when it was happening to me. It I was get it. much better when it wasn't hard on me. One day it'll turn on Evan. No, no, it won't. No, they won't. Let's be real. Justin Kraft says, Wings are red. The season's a journey. I love seeing Datsuk dressed as Adam Ernie. Wow. Can I get that framed? Uh, Steve Langerman says, hey, guys, congrats on the sponsor. I'm happy for you dudes and so happy for us because now you can focus on getting the Detroit Deep Dish Drop Pass shirts out. Maybe even a Wings and Pizza edition as well. Uh, Question, including the effects of the pandemic, which of the four major Detroit sports teams makes the most postseason slash playoffs or makes the postseason slash playoffs first. Oh man! So I'm gonna go Pistons here. Football is the easiest one to turn it around, but I think the Lions are further away than the other three teams, so I think that takes them out. Baseball's voodoo. I have no idea, so I'm not even gonna guess them. Yeah, I think I'm. I think basketball's pretty top heavy, so everybody beyond the top like six at least has a chance to crack the playoffs most years so yeah i'll say the pistons yeah i'm gonna go pistons off i guess off chance for the tigers here i think a lot still has to go right they but they've just been drafting near the top for so long um tim al 952 bunch of numbers oh it's good day dud duds I formally request that you stop blocking my clearly serious adding to the conversation accounts, which are 100% not burners. I mean, all I said was shout out to the podcasters, a bunch of bleeps. Anyways, it's time to evaluate the trade value of our players. Mantha stocks up. Oh, he says stonks every time. Glennie stonks up. DeKaiser down. Svechnikov up. Stall trading halt due to questionable press quotes. Did I miss anyone? Jersey time. Remember that Leaping Panther has been and always will be Florida's best logo. Did you guys see Florida's like simplified Leaping Panther? Because I think that's a great compromise. No. You don't think it's a good compromise, Brad? Haven't seen it. Don't want to see it. I'm going to show you right now. Because I I, like I get those jerseys were nice to look back on. I I understand. But I just don't. I think the Leaping Panther is too overstylized. But what about this one? A little more simple. It's different. That looks like Joel Quenville. 
amazing. Sold. <laughs> um, spinoff podcast. After reading some of Brad's tweets post game, especially about Mantha's goal, getting him through some long nights and his obsession with his stick. Surely the podcast is playing with your own stick featuring Brad Crisco. <laughs> <laughs> Evan's so done with this. Oh my God. If I ever do like a hockey gear podcast, that's the title. <laughs> uh ryan lee says if the 21 nhl entry draft gets moved to 2022 i'll be disappointed as a fan but can't help but think that eisman would want it detroit is a, uh, has a lot of picks in the first three rounds that they gave up assets to get and could help shape the wings organization for years they'd want the best shot possible to make an impact with those and giving them another year to research could help them uh, make the best picks possible i hope they don't delay it but i wouldn't blame eisman for wanting it so it's that's very fair reasoning i'll argue the alternative on this the Red Wings themselves have a very strong European scouting department and their North American drafting as of late has left a lot to be desired. In a draft like this one where it's a crapshoot and a lot of teams are guessing, European the European teams have been playing a lot more. So the Red Wings European scouts will have a good feel for what's going on over there. Even there's a bunch of North American kids playing over there that now the Red Wings better scouts will have a look at whereas the biggest hit is in north america where the red wings haven't done well anyway so this could cause a lot of europeans to fall which could actually yield a bigger windfall for detroit because it's playing right into their strengths Evan Beckner says, uh, hey, everyone, there seems to be some confusion among listeners as to whose voice is whose among the three of you. So as a longtime listener, I thought I'd help clear it up for people to watch YouTube. Oh. Brad sounds like he's only slept a combined 10 hours over the last three years. <laughs> uh, Evan sounds like he looks like Shea Weber. And Ryan sounds like his Twitter profile pick was actually a submission for the part of Chaldean hipster on the next season of Letter Kenny. <laughs> I mean, you're not wrong, but also screw you. Hope that clears it up for the newer listeners. Thanks for the great podcast, boys. Thank you, as always, Evan. Oh. Tyrone Bigham's big brand, ba- brand big bag of shredded cheese poutine says, Happy Singles Awareness Day, <laughs> fools. And as Ryan once said, there's nothing better than shredded cheese poutine. I won my first week. Uh, I won my first ever week of fantasy, even though I've been playing uh, who I can uh, despite COVID. At one point, I had six out with it. Thanks for the fun podcast. Yeah, fantasy's been rough. I didn't reach my... my uh, my three goalies this week. Uh, Craig on uh, Twitter says, can you please squash all the higher Gallant chatter? I'm all for firing Blash, but there's about a 99% chance Gallant's a guy in Seattle, right? I mean, I've heard the Gallant to Seattle, but like it hasn't been crazy prominent. So I, I don't know how much stock to put in that yet. It does make sense though. Uh, all right, time for a couple uh, Red Wings, sorry, uh, Reddit questions here before we wrap up. 1327 Let's Go Red Wings says, what's your favorite slash go-to whiskey? I'm currently working through a bottle of Glen Morangi right now, which I love. Um, I should probably take a look at my liquor cabinet. I tend to drink like one whiskey and only one whiskey as I drink the whole bottle, but I'm also trying not to drink too much hard liquor while we're like not hosting people. I generally reserve that for when we have people over, which we haven't been able to do in like a year. So I don't know. Um, and one more question here. I'm sorry if we didn't get to uh, enough here today. It says own journalist or own journalist 7780 says, can you guys compare Hoaglander and Berglin and Berggren? Is Hoaglander the better prospect slash player or is it close? 
it's close. I do give the advantage to Hoaglander, though. He has more of a dynamic element to his game, I think might be the word I'm, I'm looking for. Um, not that he's light years ahead of Berggren. And he's also already in the NHL, so we know he can do it at that level. So, yeah, I give the edge to Hoaglander, but both small-skilled Swedes who who excelled in the SHL, so there is a lot of comparisons there. All right, and as our uh, internet connections are giving up on us, we are so going to wrap up this episode of the Winged Wheel Podcast. Thank you all for tuning in. Uh, remember, next episode is going to be Thursday instead of our usual Wednesday for the season. Uh, so just wait an extra day for that. We'd like to thank all of our listeners, um, our sponsor, the FanDuel Sportsbook. Uh, download and use promo code WWP. I'd like to thank our uh, name-level Patreon sponsors, Arjun Shanker, uh, Eve Bartell on behalf of the Sarah Grand Foundation, Brett Bailey, Taylor Tagel, Ryan Hubbard, R.A., Zach Spring, Citizen High Five, Cody Stark, Greach, Jeremiah Dobo, Jake Kiefer, Tyrone Biggums. Uh, it's not loading. We all know. Andrew Bohan, Scott Martin, Jacob Turner, Matt McKay, Craig Kibble, Brandon M., Matthew M. Rice, Luke Johnson, Kaylin Wood, Hassam Al-Qasem, Hana Lee, Sam Bankson, Kevin McCracken, Zach Van, Josh Yelton, another former junior goalie turned golfer, Trevor Pevavar, Evans Bingo Card, Connor Leighton, Danny Jr., Evans Golf Cart, um, Matt, Evans Golf Cart Driver, Matt Keeler, uh, Kevin with a bunch of numbers, Antonio Gracias, John Evans, Joseph Minima, Quaz, and Stan Olson. Thank you all so much. We will see you on Thursday. Thanks for tuning in to the Winged Wheel Podcast. Be sure to check out wingedwheelpodcast.com, where you can subscribe to the show on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll also find links to other ways to support the show, such as Patreon, official podcast apparel, and more. And don't forget to follow the show on Twitter at Winged Wheel Pod. And of course, the hosts at Brad Crisco, at Ryan Hanna WWP, and at Hockey Town Evan.